Hey everybody, welcome to the Social Leader Podcast, episode number 13. Our goal on this podcast is to help you learn to lead with greater social impact. I'm Father Justin Matthews. We've got a really special episode today. Uh, real quick though, before we begin, I want to let you know that today's podcast is presented by Reconciliation Services. We're a nonprofit social venture in Kansas City on Troost Avenue, working to cultivate a community seeking racial and economic reconciliation to reveal the strength of all. You can find out more about Reconciliation Services programs and even get involved, volunteer, or support our work at rs3101.org. Here we go, episode 13. All right, everybody, I want to welcome our special guest today, Murray Woodard. Welcome, Murray. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Father Justin. How you doing? Man, it's so great to have you. Hey, for folks that don't know you or that are listening online, Murray, you're the program officer in education for the Kaufman Foundation here in Kansas City. But in the last few days, Murray, you've been helping residents of the Gabriel Tower Apartments in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, working hard to bring attention to the plight of literally hundreds of older and disabled adults in Kansas City who've been without air conditioning and other essential services for weeks on some of the hottest days so far uh, of the year here in Kansas City. I'm, I'm really grateful that you're, that you're here with us and talking. I know a lot of people have been visiting with you. You've been doing Facebook live posts. You've been, you've been all over the place, and we've been friends for a long time. I just wanted to get a chance to bring you on so that you can share a little bit about what's going on um, and, you know, it looks like you're actually in your car right now out front of the Gabriel apartment. So, uh, tell us the situation. What have you been seeing? What have you been hearing? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am, I'm in my car right now, um, sitting in front of the Gabriel apartments, um, waiting for the air to come back on, um, essentially, um, stumbled upon this, this, um, this situation, um, Monday morning on the way back from a, from a bike ride and um, residents uh, were out in front protesting and one of the residents uh, stepped out in front of my car essentially with a sign that said, we don't have air. Um, pulled over to find out that the residents in this 120 plus unit uh, tower hadn't had air for a little over three and a half weeks. Um, after that, obviously we learned that there's so many more uh, uh, problems uh, here in the in the uh, apartments themselves, and we could talk a little bit about that um, shortly. But, but yeah, so here working with the uh, residents and other community members that have really um, been here since we found out uh, to help keep the pressure on the management company to help resolve this issue. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in Kansas City. There's so much going on all across the world. There are so many protests, so many things happening that it gets overwhelming for people. But when you hear a story like this. Um, and you kind of begin to unpack the lived experience. It really brings it home. And, and I love, could you tell us a story? I don't know. You mentioned and introduced me earlier to uh, the new um, tenant union president just elected yesterday. His name is Pappy. Um, yeah. could, could you tell me what's going on? What are some stories? What did you see when you first got flagged down and walked in? Yeah, so Pappy's not even the, the, the gentleman that flagged me down, uh, a resident by the name of Leroy. Uh, flagged me down, but Pappy was one of the first residents I met. Uh, and when I walked into the building, 
uh, on the first floor, first of all, the first thing I recognized was how hot it was. The second thing I recognized uh, was 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 the smell, and that was just because uh, the trash had been backed up the trash chutes for so long. Uh, but I saw Pappy sitting there handwriting uh, all the protest signs, and I came to learn that he had been organizing the residents in this building for some time uh, to, to fight and try to get the word out about what was happening to them. But uh, he's writing signs like in a wheelchair, though, right? I mean, the wheel, man yeah, he Happy is uh, in a motorized wheelchair, uh, but uh, a natural born leader. This the um, the union itself is newly formed. In fact, it's a day old. Pappy was wow. organizing the tenants in this building from day one, and that was evident the first the first time I stepped foot in this tower. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about that the solutions live in the community, and I think that Absolutely. gets like a, like a little ephemeral for people that's like academic. But I mean, th this is a perfect example. Like Pappy knew exactly what needed to be done, and Absolutely. sitting in a wheelchair wasn't going to hold him back, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's an amazing uh, example of that. So when you walked in, I mean, I know you told me that you saw older adults in wheelchairs outside just trying to get a breath of fresh air. They were dripping in sweat. Like, what did you actually see? When you walked yeah. in, yeah. So uh, you know, it was hot to me, um, uh, just outside. I mean, you know, we we've had ninety plus degree days. Uh, obviously, here in Kansas City, it feels a lot hotter than than uh, what the temperature is itself. And so, to see the residents sitting out, some with oxygen tanks, several uh, in motorized wheelchairs, and others um, in whatever types of, of seats uh, they can find, uh, sitting outside to escape the heat inside. And right. I think that's what was interesting to me. Uh, they sat outside because the, the hot breeze out here was was cooler and much more refreshing to them than sort of the uh, sitting inside their building in this confined space with the heat and humidity they had going on in there. Well, it's like a big brick building, too. I mean, it's huge. It's a nine-story building. Absolutely. Yeah. Nine stories here. Um, um, saw a couple of fans uh, in the windows. Uh, two of the residents had already... I went and purchased their own uh, window uh, AC units, which is actually against the, the lease agreement. They're not mm. supposed to have those, but mm. they decided it was too hot and had those anyway. And so um, you immediately, we had to figure out something. I mean, there was just no way that um, you could ever imagine you'd have a, a facility this large serving this population of community members. I mean, think about it. Individuals on oxygen take struggling to breathe already sitting in, inside of a, a home that's uh, reaching upwards of 100 uh, degrees inside. So yeah, uh, absolutely. So tell us who lives in the Gabriel Tower apartments. Like who who's there? Yeah. Are you talking about the, the population? Who Who is it? Who are we talking about? So, you know, I grew up in Kansas City. I always thought that this was just a, a, a facility for seniors. Uh, I come to learn that it, it's seniors uh, and disabled individuals as well. Um, a lot of the folk here have uh, both uh, physical and some have even developmental uh, disabilities uh, in addition to seniors. Uh, but what you'll find is there are also families here. And so I didn't expect to, to come in this building and see young people. Mm. There are school-age uh, kids here as well. Um, and so uh, we've had Kansas City Public Schools here to provide services and supplies and things of that nature to the students because we just had no idea uh, that this, this building served uh, entire families. I thought, like I said, I thought it was a, a senior uh, center and it's there's much more than, than just seniors here. Absolutely. Where is it located? Where are you right now? Right on the corner, 1600 Jackson Avenue is the address, uh, right at the intersection of Jackson and Truman Road. 
Okay. So what's being asked for and and to be more specific, why haven't they gotten it? You know, where's the management company? What's being asked for and and what's the problem? Yeah, so initially I thought to ask again was was just for air. Um what I noticed uh, after being here is that they had so many more challenges. Um washers and dryers uh that weren't working. Uh, trash chutes that uh, hadn't been uh, emptied. And so trash had piled all the way up to in the chute to nearly the seventh floor. Um, so a, a, a mold and, and water damage. Um, and so they had a, tons of demands uh, far beyond just just the, the, uh, the air. Air is something I think most people can relate to, particularly in the summer. And so, and it was the first thing that I noticed upon being here. And so they asked those demands last night. They were able to meet with uh, corporate. And so um, several of those demands were either agreed to. Uh, some of them were met, meaning they began doing some of the work, and the others, they gave them dates upon completion. Examples would be like uh, work workable washers and dryers. They told them they'd have those by July 1st. Uh, they began to empty uh, the trash chutes. Uh, they started some of their work yesterday. Uh, and then uh, first and foremost told them that they expected to have the AC on uh, by today, tomorrow at the latest. There were also a couple of, of demands that they had that uh, were not met at this point. They demanded management change in the building. They didn't have management change. However, they did fire the service coordinator. And that was the one individual in the building that was working with the residents, working with the tenants and providing some, some help over the past couple of days. She was fired today. Um, they also asked for rent forgiveness. Wait, why was she rent. fired? Right. So wait, just, we're going to go on, but what, yeah. what was the deal? Because I know from watching your videos that there were a couple of people who were kind of taking down signs and trying to put down the protest or at least being told to do so by management. But then yeah. you're saying that there was actually somebody who was on staff, who was a coordinator that was like an advocate and that person got fired. Yeah. So maintenance uh, the maintenance workers, there's been two, at least two that I've noticed since I've been here uh, for the past three days. Uh, the maintenance workers were taking down signs and, and informed me that they were instructed by management to do so. Something to the effect that it was blocking uh, visibility in, in and out of the building. So they told them to take the signs down uh, mm. off of the windows, which, you know, we're, we're OK with it. We just brought the signs outside. But, yeah, there was a service coordinator, um, uh, uh, Denise Williams. Uh, that the, the the tenants really uh, uh, like she was she was working with them, uh, helped them as much as, as best she could resolve some of the issues, uh, even began making some of the calls on their behalf to corporate. Uh, she was let go today. They uh, walked her out about thirty minutes ago. Uh, she was asked to leave the premises with all of her things. And so, was um, there a reason given to the residents, or so what? She so there was a reason given to. Uh, to her and she informed the residents uh, and me as well. They they ran to my car, sitting out here in the car on another call, and they said, uh, "Niece is being fired. You know, see, see what I can do to help." And so mm. I ran to the door as she was leaving, and I asked what happened. And she said, "They uh, they told me uh, they were letting me go, um, essentially for helping uh, the tenants." And so um, that's from her. I didn't get a chance to talk to management about it. Obviously, yeah. uh, they don't want to talk uh, to me at this point. Um, but yeah, the, and so as you can expect, that, that was a huge blow uh, to the morale of the tenants who have been, yeah, um, they've been protesting much longer than the three days I've been here. But yeah. How long has this been going on? I mean, cause you were just driving by and somebody flagged you down, but how I long saw, have the residents been out there? So that had been their first day outside. Um, okay. 
the residents have been making calls to the health department. They've been making calls to, um, a, according to some of the residents, to the news media. Uh, so there have been a number of, of attempts to, to reach out to um, community members to let them know what was going on. But um, Monday was the first Monday was the first day they protested publicly with signs outside. And so wow. um, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite interesting that the first day they stepped out happened to be the day I'm driving down the street. And I mean, and, what were you thinking? You were, I mean, you work at Kaufman, you work in yes. education. First of all, yes. is, is housing and, and tenants rights, like <laughs> something you work on all the time or were you just driving by and stopped? No, no, not at all. Not, not at all. I was driving by and happened to stop. I was driving up Jackson. And in fact, expecting to hit the highway. I was mm. uh, bike riding on Cliff Drive. I uh, grabbed coffee at, at the corner and, and was, was headed uh, headed back home. And so, uh, no, this is definitely uh, not my wheelhouse at all. Uh, but when someone flagged you down, especially with a sign that says, you know, we, we don't have air. And I know from a bike ride, it was almost 90 degrees already that day. Right. Um, after pulling over and listening to the stories of the residents, um, I didn't know what I could do. Or, or, you know, what was possible, but I knew um, I had to do something. I think that's an incredible example. You know, this this podcast, Murray, like, you know, this is all about trying to inspire everyone, but especially people who, who are wanting to make a social impact in every different sector, trying to inspire them and lift up the possibility that we all can be social leaders. We just have right. to begin somewhere. And I think you're giving a super tangible example of, you know, you might see something on the news, you might see protest, and, and you might kind of go to bed at night scratching your head and saying, I don't know what to do. What do I do? But so often it's right in front of you. You know, you're, yeah. you're driving down the road, going to the highway, you see a sign. You had a choice. You know, yeah. do I pass by? You know, if, I mean, not to get too biblical, although I am one wearing the collar, but, you know, it, it, <laughs> it feels like the story of the Good Samaritan. Exactly like that. Am I going to pass by this person who's beaten down on the side of the road like the others, or am I going to be the one to stop? And you stopped. And I think that that's really, really inspiring for all of us who want to do something but don't know where to begin. You begin by listening and looking. You know, I want to ask you a question. We had Colleen Hernandez on a couple of episodes ago, just, just a week or two ago, to talk about kind of the larger issue of tenants' rights, to talk about um, poverty and COVID and affordable housing. And we, we kind of stayed at a bigger systemic level. And you're bringing this like very much to the tangible, to the, to the nitty gritty. But what system is failing here? Just from your perspective, I know you're not a housing expert. What is failing here? You know, so, I, you know, I try not to be critical, but I, after spending the last couple of days here, I think every system is, is really failing, uh, failing these folk here. I mean, if you think about it, several uh, of the tenants here have social workers, um, caseworkers come in and out of this building regularly. And so uh, it's I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how you can come in and out of this building not see the same things that I saw um, the first day I walked in here on Monday. Um, we've had uh, the health department and they, I think they said they had seven or eight uh, complaints and the health department had to come in on, on seven or eight occasions since, since January and resolve the issues that they came out for. But I mean, it only takes looking down the hall in the opposite direction, to see the other, the other hundred issues. Um, mm -hmm. In this place. And so I think it's, I mean, 
yes, there's a management company that's obviously dropped the ball and completely neglected the residents, but they don't own the building. Um, and so I just think there's so many systems that have failed these residents here. And then um, I think part of it is just most communities have uh, blind or have uh, invisible residents. And I think mm. that's the case here. You know, our city is doing a lot in terms of revitalization. Um, and we look at all the shiny new toys we have. This mm. building isn't new. I grew up on 23rd Street. And this building has been on this corner longer than I've been alive. Mm. Um, and so we've seen it as community members as well. And I asked myself, how many times have I driven past this building and not stopped in? Well, what keeps us from stopping, though? You know, like, are we afraid? Are we are we callous? I have to believe most of us, most of us, with exceptions, but most of us aren't callous to it. We want to do something. But absolutely. What what keeps us from stopping or from seeing um, or addressing the uncomfortable? You know, so I actually agree with you. I actually think most of us are, are not callous. Um, I think it's just as we may not have the answer, we think the issue or the challenge in front of us is, is insurmountable. To be honest with you, when I walked in there and I and I saw all the challenges facing this place, mm-hmm. I told you, even somebody like me that, that works at the Coffin Foundation, knows people um, across the city, I'm in the Centurions, I had no idea if I'd be able to do anything to help here. What thought was crossing your mind? Like, what was that fork in the road playing out in your mind? So I said in my car before I sent this, before I made the Facebook post mm. um, and asked myself, OK, after you do this, even if other folk don't respond immediately and it, it's now on you to do something, follow up. I, I think that was the fear is that I post this. I send it out. If no one else responds. I still have to do something because I've seen it. And I, right. then I understand that most people probably come to that place and, and I see why it can be paralyzing. Um, yeah. Again, there, there was a question uh, after you look into the eyes of the residents here that, that's telling you their problems, showing you uh, what they're dealing with on the day to day. Then you have to make a decision. Do you walk away with that and keep that or do you, do you do something about it? But what did you like? What tipped you over the edge? What did you do? What did you think before you hit that like send button on the post on Facebook? How did you make that decision? Because I'll be honest, a lot of us yeah. make that a lot of us come to that crossroad, you know, I'm driving yeah. to the red light and I see the guy who needs money or, you know, I see the ad on TV or I see the protest and then yeah. we still don't do something. What did you do to kind of push yourself to that next step? Cause you didn't have to. Yeah. I, well, I, so I, I look back at the work uh, we do every day in education, right? So although this is not, um, this is definitely not my belly wick here. Uh, I work in education every day. And I see the challenges there. And I always talk to people about uh, being advocates and, and uh, those who have agency, those who have social capital, uh, helping to amplify the voices of those that are not being heard, right? Hmm. One, I don't believe that there are people that are voiceless. Um, I just think there are either people that aren't being heard for whatever reason or people are not listening. Um, so I ask myself, how can I do that in one area of my life? How can I be critical of people who don't stand up and do that? Um, in the areas that I work in or the places that I see and I care about every day, but do the same thing here. How can I walk away after seeing this and not do anything about it? And so I made the decision that for myself that even if uh, I didn't get the response uh, that I received on Facebook, even if 
the organizations didn't come out and provide the assistance that they did that uh, even if it meant I sat in my car and I called uh, Millennia myself all day, uh, <laughs> I'd do it. Um, right. And I think that's what it was for me. It didn't matter at that point if anyone else uh, helped. I made the decision at that point in time that I was going to do what I had to do, um, even if that meant I had to be here, which I am and which I have been uh, until they get their air on. Yeah, for which for which I'm very thankful. I know the residents are thankful, but I'm I'm thankful that you're lifting up that example of somebody who's not even working in the housing sector, just driving by and you made the decision because it's important. There's uh for those of you who are watching live right now, there's a comment from uh Bonnie Johnstone who said, I think people are self-involved and fearful to step up into the unknown. You know, you Agreed. talked about yeah, you talked about fear. Talk about the unknown. Talk about yeah. why would that feel like a place that's unknown? Well, I mean, one, you talk about education. So if I, if we're talking about education, I think I could talk circles around that all day. Of course. That's that's, that's what I do. Uh, if we talk about philanthropy, uh, I could, we could talk about that all day. You talk about housing. I'm I'm a, I'm a fish out of water, right? This is <laughs> right. this is this. I don't I don't I don't know much about this. Um, then there's the, the other fear, right? I, you understand that this this issue intersects uh, with a lot of the same spaces that, that I do intersect with on a day to day. So then there was that fear, right? Uh, maybe um, someone might be upset about you know us calling this out. Someone that I need in my other area of work, right? Somebody that I have to engage with on a day to day. Maybe contacting the health department and having them come down there and, you know, highlighting that might not go over well, right? There, there's, there are those points where you second guess and you start to think, how can this impact me um, mm -hmm. in the work I do every day? And so um, I had that. I had no idea um, what posting that on Facebook would do. Um, not just whether or not people respond and step up and help here, but what they can do um, in my everyday life, right? So, right. so I, I well, could get the fear. No, you're a perfect example of a social leader because, uh, you know, I don't think social leaders wait for the perfect platform in order to respond. You respond to what you know, what's right in front of you, what comes in front of you, because that person in front of you, you know, is a living icon. They're worthy of profound and authentic veneration, respect and dignity. And so there's this idea of whatever comes in front of you is the providence of what's been put in front of you to deal with. And so if we sit around waiting for the perfect platform. I don't think we're going to do anything. I, I really appreciate also that you brought out this important nuance. You said that there might be some people that would be kind of ticked if I called on this and there are people that I kind of need for my professional life. Um, talk more about that. I mean, that that's difficult for a lot of, let's think about business owners who are trying to decide whether or not to post a hashtag BLM, right? Or like to stand up at a protest. They're making that exact calculation Right. You know, how did you get to that point and, and then step over the line when you thought about those donors or those business folks? I, well, I, I think it's easy because, I mean, I think I, at least for me, I, I kept, I think, my eye on what was most important. I think that's the residents, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I do understand and I did understand at the time and, and had to deal with the fact that, you know, there are people that, I mean, Someone lost their job as a result of this, right? Denise, Miss Williams lost her job today. Like an hour um, ago. There's also there was also the concern that if other 
individuals, whether it be the health department or some other officials, walked into this facility and saw the way uh, this building has been neglected and, and these residents have been treated, they close this facility down. Then the question is, how people are homeless as a result of you bringing this out? Hmm. Right? Um, where do they go if that happens? Uh, there's a the concern that these residents, because there's 120 units in here, but the reality is there's about 50 to 60 residents that have been very active and very vocal. What hmm. happens if there's some retaliation and they get fired? Right? Like all of these right. things come to mind. I get to go home after this, right? When this is over, I get to go back home. I don't worry about uh, me being evicted as, as a result of speaking out. I do worry about some of the people that um, may or may not be impacted that intersect in my world in some way, shape, or the form, some way, shape, or form. But I don't worry about being evicted as a result of this. I don't worry about the retaliation that way. Um, but I did worry about me speaking up and what that can mean on a variety of different levels. Well, I'm glad the residents were speaking up for weeks, and I'm glad you chose to join them and add your your voice too. And I think when we think about conversations around privilege and access and power, you know, you're demonstrating the exact thing. When we know that we've got something, some access, some privilege, some voice, some power, it may not be the same as somebody else's, but use what you've got. You know, Absolutely. paint paint with the palettes that are on your on your whatever that thing is called. <laughs> I can't think of the word, you know, but you paint with the, the colors on your palette. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Let me ask you another question. And this one, I'm going to, um, you're a very humble man. I've known you in your life. You're very, you're not the guy that's going to take the Facebook all the time. I'm just telling you that if you don't know Murray, he's not that guy. Um, uh, but you're a very strong leader. Um, how do you keep the focus on the, the people and not on yourself while you're yeah. also raising up this issue as a social leader. How, how do you do that? Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think that's very important to do um, any type of uh, social justice work. Right. I think uh, it's important to recognize that, that this is their fight, right? The residents, mm. this is their fight. This was their protest, not mine. Uh, when the, when the, the news media rolled up uh, several times, it was very important for us to have the tenants out front. Uh, this is about amplifying their voice, not being a voice for anyone, um, but amplifying the voices that were, that were already there. In fact, this this uh, conversation today not been about leadership. If it was specifically about this, I wouldn't have wanted to do this today. I remember um, we we were just talking to Pappy right before we came on yeah. because we were actually trying to see if we could get him somehow on there with you so he could Absolutely. be the one to speak to the to kind of the issues, but he didn't want to be on the internet, which is good. Which is good. Yeah, Respect that. Is, it's important. It's important to understand that this is their fight. And the same thing should be said about uh, the support that was received. There's there's been a number of of news reports that talk about um, a Saturday Night Live star donated money but the reality of the situation is the fans that went in the the reason why we were able to supply fans to every resident in here had nothing to do with that this was community members who jumped at the opportunity to support this work right here it was uh local restaurant owners who were willing to help uh, offset some of the costs for us to be able to provide meals pizza hut split cost for dinner last night right mm. and so Although it's not as, as as bright and shiny as saying we had a Hollywood star from Kansas City that donated, you know, a few hundred bucks to the, the, the charge here. Um, it's more important to know that this was community support and the community was supporting the residents in their fight. Uh, it wasn't a Hollywood star supporting Murray in his fight. 
Well, I know the fight isn't over. I know from just talking to, to you today before we came on that there's, you know, there's still things that haven't been met. There's still Absolutely. needs that are essential. You were about to get to those early on in the show. What's left uh, to be done and how can people help? Yeah, so so what's left to be done is is a number of things. But more importantly, getting the air on today, tomorrow at the latest is what they said. If they don't, as a community, we really need to rally around this facility and make sure that that happens. That's first and foremost. Uh, second thing is don't have working washers and dryers. They've agreed to have that done by July 1st. Um, there's mold in, in a lot on a lot of the floors. There's trash. I think we need, as, as a community, need to make sure we continue to wrap our arms around Gabriel Towers even after the AC is flicked on. We need to continue to check in. Uh, I posted the list of demands and the agreements and the things still outstanding on Facebook. I'll share that with you again if you want to blast it out. And we need to continue to check in and make sure that that happens. And if you want to uh, provide support now that they have unionized, uh, you can reach out to KC Tenants. Uh, I'm going to put their website right there, kctenants.org, if you're following along online. Absolutely. Get with kctenants.org. And, uh, and if you do happen to come down to the towers, ask for Pappy, uh, James Stone. He's the president of the, the tenants union. And uh, that man is a, is a, is an angel. Um, but he is, he's definitely working uh, to get this done and he's fighting. Well, you know, the thing that really strikes me, especially since we're, you know, we're broadcasting this within uh, really just days of the murder of George Floyd and others is that, um, you know, the Gabriel Towers Apartments is really just one example of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if Absolutely. not thousands, thousands of units. And there, there is a real need, not only for the Gabriel Towers, but there's a real need for us as uh, communities, really all across the United States, in fact, across this globe, to really band together. You know, there's that old story of stone soup that everybody puts in the pot what they have, and then by the end of the time, even though the pot started empty, there's enough for everybody. And and look, you know, what you're doing down there is really chipping in what you have, and I love to hear the story of all these different ones, but especially uh, those that don't really have a name or a big corporate name, you know, that have chipped yeah. in what they can, one fan, one dollar, whatever it is, Absolutely. that kind of donate what you can model is something obviously that that we're really passionate about at Reconciliation Service. So, so listen, thank you. Uh, thank you for being willing to come on and share it. Thank you for stopping the other day. Thank you for lifting up the powerful voices of those in the community who are just trying to you know, have air conditioning like most of the rest of us. I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty simple thing uh, in today's day and age. And especially for older adults, it's a pretty essential thing. Uh, you hear about it every single summer about older adults who die alone in their homes of, of heat exhaustion. So thank you for, for being willing to stop, Murray. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. Uh, hang with me for just a minute. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that, again, if you want to help, you can go down uh, to the apartment building. You can go on Facebook. A couple of people will be uh, sharing out the address, as will I. Um, I know of one organization, KC Tenants, that's doing a good job of lifting up uh, the voices of the residents there. I'm sure there are lots of other people that are down there working too. I, I don't actually know all of the names, but uh, this is a time to act. So if you aren't here in Kansas City, 
look, somewhere in your city, there's a, a Gabriel Tower Apartments. Somewhere in your community, you know, there's a pappy who's in a wheelchair making signs by hand and, and has a voice and you have something to lend and the together, you know, the two of you can really get something done. And so that's what social leadership all, is all about. You don't have to be a nonprofit leader. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a philanthropist or independently wealthy. Sometimes you might just be a guy in a car driving by and you, you stop for a minute and you never know what'll happen. So again, I want to thank uh, Murray Woodard, uh, our really special guest today. Thank especially the residents of the uh, Gabriel Tower Apartments for your endurance and your witness. And uh, for everyone here, if you've enjoyed this uh, podcast, please do me a favor. First of all, thank you for listening today, but please follow the podcast on YouTube and iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And it would really help us if you'd share the show with more people so that we can lift up the voices of those in the community and especially uh, those social leaders who are trying to make a difference. You can also tune in to watch the show almost every Tuesday around 1230 Central usually. And listen, if you want to go further and learn to lead with greater social impact, I want to encourage you to check out thesocialleader.org, thesocialleader.org. Pretty soon, we are going to be launching an e-course called The Social Leader Essentials. It's a great way to just begin the process of learning how to do what Murray did and, and learn some of the fundamentals and the basics of how you can embrace uh, social leadership in addition to whatever else you're doing in your life. So once again, thanks for joining us here. This show is sponsored by Reconciliation Services. I look forward to talking with you next time on the Social Leader Podcast. 